The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're beginning a, a new series entitled Strengthened by Grace. The fact is, the reality that we as believers live in each moment is that we're constantly being strengthened by God's grace. It's taught all over the Bible. It's taught in many different ways, one of which is here in 2 Timothy 2, verse 1. I'm just going to read that, that verse. 2 Timothy 2, 1. You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let's pray, asking that God would be pleased to strengthen us now by the grace that is in Christ Jesus as well. Father in heaven, you you have a gift for us this morning. It's a gift of grace through Christ Just as by faith we rest in your grace by which you've saved us by the redeeming work of Christ, so also now by faith we rely on your grace to live, to continue in faith each moment until glory. And so, Father, I ask that in these next few minutes that you might strengthen me by your grace, in order that all of us would be strengthened to live trusting and treasuring you through Christ Jesus in every aspect of our lives, all the more. I pray this for your glory and for the glory of this congregation and for the advancement of the gospel in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, i give you my outline I'm just going to take the verse in four chunks. Uh, Number one, my child. Number two, you then. Number three, be strengthened. And number four, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And uh, and then I'll, I'll close with a couple of comments of where we're going in this series. So, right to the exegesis. Number one, my child, my child. As you know, as you probably know, 2 Timothy is, is the last letter in the Bible that we have written by the Apostle Paul before he's executed in Rome by Nero. So he knows his death is imminent. That's why he says in chapter 4, the time of my departure has come. And my child, that, that Paul had a special relationship with Timothy, that feels like an understatement. I mean, I'll give you a little review of the relationship. Timothy, Timothy's grandmother and his mother were Christians, and yet his father was not. And so when Timothy became a Christian, perhaps and probably through the gospel teaching of the apostle Paul, Paul became like a a mentor, like a, a teacher, and, and Timothy 
a student, an apprentice. And more than that, after Paul and Barnabas separated, Timothy became a partner with Paul in the global work of the gospel, in in church planting, as they traveled together from city to city, proclaiming the gospel and enduring persecution and hardship that came along with it. But more than a student and more than a partner, as this phrase captures, Paul sees Timothy as my child. My child. Timothy is Paul's spiritual son. Paul is likely somewhere around 60 years old and Timothy's maybe 10 or 15 years younger. So Timothy is not a little boy. (laughs) But Paul uses this tender phrase, my child, my child. In fact, he uses it four times in his two letters to Timothy. I just want you to, to feel it. 1 Timothy 1, 2. Timothy, my true child in the faith. 1 Timothy 1.18. Timothy, my child. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2. Timothy, my beloved child. <laughs> and then our verse. Timothy, you then, my child. This, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. This is tender. This is deathbed conversation. Have you ever been at a deathbed as I have and you hear the last words of a loved one? They're important. You don't forget them. That's what we see here. Paul speaking words of utmost importance to Timothy. And I'll say this in a minute, but I'll say it here now because I'm thinking it. This whole letter, all the instructions to Timothy in this letter, hang on what Paul says in this verse. Point number two, you then. So now, Paul's writing to Timothy. But why does he begin it like this? You then, or it could be translated, but you... Well, there's a contrast that I just want you to notice. Look look at verse 15 in chapter 1. Timothy, you are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me. All who are in Asia. I mean, Paul spent a good three years in Ephesus, which was in Asia. And at this point in Paul's life, when he's locked up in Rome, he says... All who are in Asia turned away from me. And so the you then, or the but you, means, Timothy, don't be like those who turned away from me and are ashamed of the gospel. Pay no attention to them. Don't be like them. Don't let your fears and timidity overcome you and lead you away from me, away from the gospel, and away from Christ. That's the contrast. And then, and then Paul gives, you know, this, you then, my child, and then comes this awesome phrase, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And right there I want to say, why does Timothy need this grace? Why does Timothy need to be strengthened? 
Well, and then I'll tell you what I did. I just, I looked forward and I looked backward at what Paul is calling Timothy to do. And it's overwhelming. And my hunch is, I don't know, most of you have moments, have had moments last week when you're overwhelmed with the things of your life. And you think about God's calling on your life and say, well, that's impossible. Listen to, listen to, <laughs> this is just in Second Timothy. Listen to what Paul is telling Timothy to do and to be about in faithfulness to God and in the call of the gospel. I'll do them quickly. Timothy, rely on the Spirit's power. Don't cave into timidity. Timothy, boast in the gospel. Do not be ashamed. Timothy, follow the pattern of sound doctrine. Timothy, support suffering Christians. Don't abandon them. Timothy, teach faithful men who can teach others also. Timothy, share in suffering for the gospel. Timothy, remember Christ. Timothy, remind believers of the truth. Timothy, teach the truth of the word of God with, with clarity and truthfulness. Timothy, avoid sinful, divisive talk. Timothy, be sanctified and stick with those who are pursuing righteousness from a pure heart. Timothy, be peaceful, peaceable, not quarrelsome. Timothy, do not forsake Christ or his people. Timothy, endure persecution in these last days. Timothy, continue in the faith and in the scriptures. Timothy, proclaim the word even when people don't want to hear it. And Timothy, come to Rome where the persecution is hard and where, where I'm about to get my head taken off. That's all. It's impossible. That's humanly impossible. Humanly impossible apart from strengthening grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, what is God calling you to do in your life in faithfulness to him? I mean, I hope you don't kind of kick back and say, well, that's doable. <laughs> I can do that. Remember the Great Commission. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. I got that. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's in the bag. Love one another as I have loved you. Oh, easy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go make disciples of all nations. And as Bud prayed in the beginning, reminded us, of the sufferings that that entails so many times. Evidence the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Got that? I don't. Love one another. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Love your classmates and your roommates and your friends and your co-workers and your parents and your spouse and your children even when it's really hard. 
and they don't reciprocate. Got that? I don't. The Christian life is impossible to live. It's impossible to live in and of our own strength. That's why this be strengthened lands with so much on me. So much help, so much comfort, so much hope. Third point, be strengthened. Now, I don't, maybe I don't, I'm trying to think, do I say this very often? I don't know how often I say this, but I love the grammar here. <laughs> I love the grammar here. I'll climb into it with me. It, it's, it's in the passive voice and it's in the present tense. Now, absorb the grace that is in those tenses, in that grammar. Passive voice. The verb here in the ESV translated be strengthened. It's a passive. What's the significance of that? Well, if it were a middle voice, it would be strengthen yourself in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Strengthen yourself. But it's in a passive, which means be strengthened. That's why it's a great translation. Be strengthened. It's coming in from outside of you. You don't have it. (laughs) In fact, you need it. And it's coming in as a gift. Be strengthened from outside of yourself by this grace that is in Christ Jesus. It's a gift to be received by faith, not to be mustered up within yourself. So I love it that it's a passive. What a great thing. And it's present tense. I love that just as much, right? Present tense. Be being strengthened all the time in the present by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Like rain that never stops. Like, Lord, more strengthening grace. More, thank you, more, thank you, more and more. Isn't Isn't that great? Isn't that glorious? Passive. It's a gift from God himself to you, the strengthening grace of Christ. Present, continuous, ongoing, no one and done. Fourth point, by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. There's where it comes from. By the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, when you think of God's grace, I wonder how many categories you have in mind. Um, I mean, there are at least two major facets of God's grace that are taught in the Bible. I want to poke at them. Not just poke, I want to talk about them. I mean, the most common and familiar understanding of grace for Christians is that grace by which we are saved through faith. This is not of ourselves, lest anyone should boast, Ephesians 2, 8. This is the grace of God by which we are saved. We're justified, we're sanctified, we're forgiven, we're reconciled. We are, we are pardoned once and for all by the death of Christ for us. That's God's grace, and, and it's good night. Everything hangs on God's pardoning grace. 
And yet there's another aspect of God's grace in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. And it's this grace of God that empowers us and strengthens us and sustains us to to continue to live by faith and be and become the people that God is calling us to be and become. Conformed to the image of Christ. Following Jesus. And... uh, So two simple words to to put in your mind is, well, there's a grace of pardon and there's a grace of power. I'll give you two more words. Let me use Pastor John's two categories in in the book Future Grace. I love the book Future Grace. I mean, I I really do. I mean, Pastor John's written a lot of books. (laughs) But I remember when one came out, we thought, oh, our pastor wrote a book. But uh, I don't know which one is, has had more impact on me, desiring God or future grace. Future grace pressed home to me the basic manner and motivation by which the Christian life is lived. Like theology on the ground. So Pastor John uses these two words. Past grace. It's that grace by which we've been saved through faith. It's real. It's decisive. God gives us the Holy Spirit. We are Christians. We are saved. And all the promises of God are ours. And yet, John uses the phrase future grace, which I think is a good word. This this grace is the grace by which we live the Christian life. This grace is the grace by which we are sanctified. We're saved by grace, but we are also sanctified by grace, by future grace. It's this grace that empowers us to to live in newness of life, by which God causes us to walk in his ways. It's that grace, uh, Ken Curry alluded to it in his prayer, Where Jesus says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you for my, not pardon, for my power is is made perfect in weakness. I'm with you. I got this. I'll help you. Pardon and power, past grace and future grace. (laughs) I I, I so want you to have those categories in your mind, and now I'm going to just poke at, at, uh, at future grace. In the Bible. Let's just do a quick little tour. And, and, and I just do this. Here's how I came to this. I thought, so Paul is telling Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's not news to Timothy. It's not news. Let me explain. That's Paul, that's how Paul himself lived. You know, when he says, Timothy and others, follow my example, this is what he's talking about. Here's how he lived, Philippians 4. I can do all things, meaning having plenty and being in poverty and need. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Paul saw it in the Old Testament saints that lived by grace, growing strong in faith. He saw it in Abraham, Romans 4, uh, 20. No unbelief made Abraham waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew in his faith. 
as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised to do in the future. Paul taught all believers to live by this future grace. Strengthening grace of Christ. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, the great chapter on giving and generosity. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, you will abound in every good work. How do you do the good works God's calling you to do? Well, you abound in them all because God has given you all sufficient grace to do them. Ephesians 6.10 Look, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil. What should we do? 6.10 Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. That's future grace. Jesus likewise taught this. Not by using the word grace or strength, but with the metaphor of the grapevine, when he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15. Four and five. It's not just Paul. It's not just Jesus. The apostle Peter says the same thing. He taught believers to live by future grace, the strengthening grace of Christ. When he began his letter this way, this is the beginning of Second Peter. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And then 2 Peter 3.18, you grow in grace and knowledge of God. You know, grow. This isn't past grace. This is be strengthened by grace. And then the writer to the Hebrews on the same topic, he, he says, do not be led astray by strange teachings and diverse teachings, Hebrews 13, 9, but rather it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace. It's all over the Bible. Let me, let me close now. Our purpose statement is that we exist to spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. 
And what I'm planning to do in this series, as we walk through it this fall, is reflect on the the dynamics of what we do as a local church through the grid of being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let me explain a little more. May the power behind everything we do as a church be this power of being strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And may the motive behind everything we do as a church be to be strengthened by grace, to do it, and to strengthen others in the grace that is from Christ Jesus. It's a very interesting thing to me that human beings can give grace to others. Look at every one of Paul's letters as they begin. Grace to you from Paul. Grace of God to you from... It's amazing. Let no filthy talk come out of your mouth, but only that which gives grace to those who hear. So may everything we do, may the motive be, Lord, we we want more of your grace in order to give more of your grace. And may the end of everything we do Everything be as 1 Peter 4.11 says. You know, whoever serves, let him serve in the strength, in the strength, in the grace that God supplies in order that in everything God would be glorified. <laughs> it's the end of boasting in ourselves. Everything we do would be seen through the lens of Christ's enabling grace to us, grounded and founded on his past grace to us as we live in future grace. So we've mapped out, I've mapped out with the elders this sermon series that will carry us at at least to Thanksgiving. Uh, What's an open question right now in my mind is whether we break for Advent, but we'll resume in January. One way or another, I'm not sure how to how to structure Advent, but we're going to be on this strengthened by grace for a while. I'll give you some of the places that we'll visit. I say it really simply. Simple summary of what every church, every gospel-believing church is called to is, uh, you could say it in three relationships, we're called to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So, so I want to visit like, how do, how does this strengthen by grace relate to our worship? And, and how does it relate to our, our prayer life, our relationship with God? And, and then secondly, we're called to love one another. And so how does this strengthen by grace relate to our gospel community and, and our unity? How does, that, how does that strengthen by grace work in our corporate life together? And third, how does strengthen by grace relate to our outreach? near and far. So that's a general flyover of where I'm going. And, and in, as we do what we do by the grace that God supplies, <laughs> go right up to, that is how we spread a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples through Jesus Christ. So next week, be more of a, 
another preliminary kind of a message. I want to spend more time thinking about God's past grace and God's future grace. And really, my wife and I were talking about this yesterday, it is one bucket of grace. It's ours from Christ. All of it. I mean, it's not like if you have one, you're going to be great. <laughs> no, you're dead. If, if you don't, I mean, no. <laughs> Saving faith without persevering faith, it's nothing. So it's one bucket of grace by which we're saved and sanctified. And so I want to spend some time thinking about God's past grace to us in Christ, about his Christ's death and all the accomplishments of once and for all, and think about Christ's future grace for us and all that God promises to be for us in and through him in the future. I'll, gi- I'll give you the verse that uh, I could hang it all on. Romans eight thirty two. This is where we're going next week. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, past grace, how will he not also along with him graciously give us everything, all things? Father in heaven, I pray that you would strengthen this congregation with the grace that is in Christ Jesus. It is massive. It is infinite. It is powerful. It is not natural. It's the end of boasting. It's the end of nitpicking. It, it, it creates a people full of your grace, standing on the love of Christ for us in the past, who impart grace to others and who are addicted to more and more of your grace in our lives. So shape us, I pray, by the sufficient grace of Christ. May we be a people of faith in Christ for salvation and hope in Christ for today and uh, strength for tomorrow. So help us in this series and help us this day, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55415. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.